0: Heavenly Father, I want to pray for our Rancho Church plan. God, I pray for all the leaders who are equipped and trained for the past several weeks, just getting ready to host these blessing groups. God, we pray that these groups will truly be a blessing to those who have yet to know you yet. God, I pray that it will bless them in a relational way that they will find people that they can be, uh, they can find community with. But beyond that, God, I pray that you'll bring them spiritual blessing. God, help these best to find their way back to you, Lord. I pray that you open their eyes god the 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 uh, the God of this world, Satan blinds those who are far away from you. so God, I pray that you unveil their eyes, help them to see that there is light in the midst of darkness. God, I pray for every member who is participating in this. God, be with them. Give them bonus to share. Give them love that is beyond themselves. So that in their interaction, in their speech, in their sharing, there will be clarity. There will be love. I pray that you will season them with your, your grace and season them with your hope. God, I also want to pray for the logistics. Lord, I pray for every internet, every household that they're using uh, for the Zoom. God, I pray that there will be no disconnection, no breaking down, so that there will be nothing that will distract and takes away people from hearing you and, and engaging in the blessing group. God, I pray that this will launch, become a movement that will bring more and more people who are far away from you in Rancho Cucamonga to come to know you. God, would you receive glory? God, will you use our church plan to make disciples right there in Rancho Cucamonga and to the ends of the earth. So God, thank you for the privilege that we can pray to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Today, uh, since we've finished up our three circles, we're going to jump to a uh, a standalone message today. And we're actually going to approach a topic that is quite sensitive and highly contentious in our society. We're actually going to talk about sexual identity, and I, 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 I labeled this sermon the theology of sexual identity. And for many of you, when you think of the word uh, theology, you're probably thinking, "I don't have any theology." I don't. That's like for people who are, want to study to know more, uh, kind of scholarly people who are Christians. They study theology. Uh, but what I want to encourage you to think about is actually this: that all of us, all of us, have a set of theology. Because theology is simply your conviction, your perspective, and your thought about who God is and his truth. And so whether you're an atheist, you're a Buddhist, you're a Muslim, you're a Protestant, Christian, Catholic, it doesn't matter who we are. We all have a set of theology, and the question is not whether we have a theology, a perspective, understanding and of God. The question is whether our theology is consistent with the Bible, and the Bible touches on every uh, topic that is in this world in our lives and but one of the things I want to start with when we talk about sexual identity sexuality uh, is that many of us when we think of the Bible, we tend to think of it as a as an encyclopedia and for many of you, you have no idea what an encyclopedia is because there is this advancement of, called uh, Google you can basically find answers. Type it in, and there will be answers popping out. But back in the old days, there are volumes of books that are called encyclopedias. And so when I was younger, you want to find out some truth. You don't, you don't get to go on Google because the internet was not really uh, that prevalent yet. And so what you do do is you go to volume, whatever, five, and you look up the topic, and then you look up what are the information that are there. And one of the things that I want to caution us when we look at the Bible, for many of us, we kind of approach the Bible in the same exact way. We think of the Bible as a topical thing. Oh, if I want to know about uh, working hard, let's go look at verses about working hard. Uh, if I want to look at verses about um, uh, salvation, or look at verses about salvation, what work about work ethic? I'll look at verses about work ethic, and we do the same thing sometimes with uh, all sorts of topics. And while there's there inherently there's not like bad in doing that, but we will miss out on what the Bible is intended to be. The Bible is not an encyclopedia. The Bible is not a Google search. Uh, the Bible is not just topical in giving us wisdom about these topics. Because underline it all, underneath it all, the Bible is actually one big story. And when we just read the Bible by topic and look for verses and passing by topic, we will miss out that there's something more to why God has given us these truths. As we have learned in the three circles, God has intended to have a design for us. And when we look at the scripture, we need to understand and see through these topics what God says to be true through the story of God's perfect creation in us. God did not just lay out these truths so that he will bound us and rule over us in a very mechanical, robotic way. God, in the, the story of God, the story of our lives, the story of the scripture is one of holiness and love. Because God is holy. He intended the world to be holy, to be perfect, consistent with his truth. But also God is loving. We need to see, and as we look at these truths of God, and particularly what we're doing today. Looking in sexuality, which is a very, very prevalent and contentious topic in our society, we need to see that what God says to be true is not to kill the joy out of our lives, but in fact, actually, he wants to give us true joy, true love. And so today we're going to approach a topic, perhaps, where many of you are kind of given uh are, are may not be as contentious as you think, because I think for many of us, we do live in a world that is filled uh, with um, what seemed to be true, but yet contrary to what the Bible says. One of the reasons why I want to preach on this topic is simply because this month, as many of you probably have come across and know, is called uh June is, is called Pride Month. And where our world, our society celebrate. Uh, LGBTQ uh, plus um, ideology, and um, and so you can't really go through the internet without coming across this. You know, like the other day, my uh, one of our sons were talking. We were watching the Dodgers game. They're promoting Pride Night, which is this past Friday, to in support of it. And even in U.S. Embassy, uh, our current president allowed uh, Embassy to decide on their own whether they want to hang up that uh, LGBTQ. Uh, Plus rainbow flag, Lego because in support and in, in support of the prime Month came up with this set called "Every Everyone Is Awesome" set to in, to support LGBT uh, LGBTQ plus ideology and. Uh, if you have no idea what LGBTQ stands for, it stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, uh, queer, plus means there's many more version and different, uh, um, view, uh, different, um, a- attraction toward different uh, sexuality and gender. Every business, you can go online, any shopping site, every organization are lining up in our world to, quote unquote, to be on the right side of history, to align with the LGBTQ community. But what we see today is that the what what uh, all these ideologies are inconsistent, are not right in the eyes of God. And I want to be careful as I share this with you. Because fundamentally, the question that we're asking that the world is promoting is whether whether sexuality can be chosen by ourselves. Is sex the same as gender? Can we choose on our own? If we don't feel like we are a boy, but we are born as a boy, is it okay for us to choose for ourselves? One of the books that is really helpful I want to recommend to you because of time, I can't cover everything uh, in this topic today. Um, and and just so to let you know uh, this sermon will be a little bit more uh like a like a lecture but please hang on with me as i go through this with you because this is extremely important because as i said earlier there are this topic comes up everywhere it it comes up when we were going through our fostering process it comes through in probably in every um, place that you want to do shopping with it comes up in our government it comes up everything And so this I want to recommend you before I go into this sermon is recommend you this resource by Preston Sprinkle. It's called Embodied. And you want to look for more information about what does it mean for us to be Christian? How do we deal with and how can we uh, what does the Bible to say about uh, transgender identities or any other sexual identities that's inconsistent with the word of God? I really recommend you. uh, They'll be make for a good summer reading to read both with your parents uh, or with some of your small group members as you sort through some of these things. But before I go into the, the the meat of the sermon, I want to say a word for those perhaps that are struggling. Perhaps you are one of those who are struggling with your sexual identity. That you are in living in a very confused uh uh world that you you're wondering am I am I am am I a boy am I a girl and you're struggling with those things and and I want to tell you three important things one is this that God loves you. That God loves you. Second thing is that God cares about you, and the third thing is this: I care about you as well. I know these are simple statements, but a lot of times when we, uh, the LGBTQ plus community, often don't hear these words for them. As a result of that, they automatically see Christians, and unfortunately, see God as unloving. But at the, the bottom of it, the scripture is that God loves them. God doesn't love perhaps the choices and decisions that they make, but God loves them. And I want you to know that if you are struggling with these things, God loves you. And God loves you so much that he wants you to find the truth so that you will be set free by his truth. So I want to make sure that everything you hear today when I share, you might, it might come across as offensive to you. I want you to hear from me and that God loves you. It is in the context of love that these truths are given to us. And I want to say a word to those of us who are Christians, uh, which by and large do not have these struggles. I think for those of us, probably a good portion of who don't have these struggles, we fall into either one of these uh, camps. One is this, that we are extremely alarmed, extremely incensed by LGBTQ plus community, that we find ourselves to be like cultural warriors to, to fight against them. So as a result of that, sometimes we don't speak these truths out of love. We don't speak truth out of love. We speak in a very antagonistic anistic way. And we, we, we almost speak with our fists up all the time. And guess what happened when we have our fists up the other person? What do they do? They put their fists up as well. And so that's some of us. So I want to encourage you just be careful with the tone and the way we speak. But also some of us are on the other extreme that we're so loving that, that we react against that cultural war that we become slowly just just accept everything to be true. That love becomes a blanket to cover everything. That everything uh, can be true. Even as Christians, we, see, we, we, we feel like, well, they can have their truth. I can have truth. And so we start softening up our conviction about God's truth. And so if you're a Christian and you don't struggle with sexual identity and and just being careful how to balance these two, truth and love. And so I hope today that, uh, that I can share as honestly, as faithfully to the scripture. And whatever I share with you, hopefully is, is I'm praying that God will speak to us from his truth, but hopefully you also know that. Please understand that it is in the context of love and concern that I'm sharing these things. It's very helpful that we just went through the three circles because the three circles give us a framework to, to think through these issues. Again, if you're unfamiliar with what the LGBTQ plus is, it stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer. Plus means there are a the whole list of letters that describe the orientation that people feel like they are attracted to. As we look at the three circle, we see God's design. We also see brokenness, and we also see a solution to that brokenness that can restore us. So let me pray for us. I uh, I feel like this is important for us that the Spirit of God protect our hearts as we dive into this really difficult topic. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help me to speak truthfully god help me to speak lovingly god i pray for all of us who are watching now who are worshiping now listening now or later god i pray that you will protect all of our hearts minds, soul so that we will not be deceived by by the enemy god there is a cultural revolution going on in our world that promotes the things that are contrary to your truth so God, I just pray that you give us understanding. Soften our hearts, Lord, if we are, we, 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 we hold firmly to what we believe according to the culture and according to the world. God, help us to be open to what your word has to say. Spirit of God, use your word to convict us today. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. The, um, I'm gonna have to go through some terms with us, and then I'm gonna dive into the scripture. Um, one of the fu- fundamental things we see from the scripture that we have read from Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bible, you can turn there, is very simply that God has a design for our sexuality. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. It says, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish in the sea, and over the birds of heavens, and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, a summary statement says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. So we see that God created us very plainly to be male and female. And in fact, if you uh, study science in any capacity, you know, in fact, our scientific community affirm that binary, that male and female design of God. In a very simple way, it takes, you know, uh, from a hormonal perspective, females have higher level of estrogen and males have a higher level of testosterone. And that contributes to just physical changes, physical um, um, display of our, our body parts. That's why women have wider wider hips and men have more muscle mass. They have facial hair. Not that women does not have facial hair or or a body hair, but men in general have more because of, not because of anything that they chose, but because of the hormones that was given part of their creation. We also see in a genetic level that simply as a male, there is a Y uh, the Y chromosome distinguish between a male and a female, and we that's not something that we choose to have. It was given out of the creation fundamentally in in a chromosome genetic level. We're made different. And so we see that God created this and our sex to be male and female. But then there is also this uh, term called gender. Where in the past, sex and gender are the same exact thing. Sex means gender. Gender means sex. That that there will be no difference to that. But here's the ongoing idea in our world, in our culture, in our society, is that gender is different from sex. Gender is different from sex. Sex might is a biological, physical thing, but gender is something that you get to choose. Particularly, I want to give you two terms that hopefully help you to understand this. First is, in a gender, there are two, two categories. One is roles. That there are gender roles it is a cultural phenomenon, cultural uh, construct, cultural way of social aspect of our gender that are male and female. So, so for many of us growing up in the Western culture, male tend to play sports. Guys like to play sports. Guys are generally more physically aggressive. Uh, guys in our culture are told not to cry. Um, they are. Uh, likely to be more uh, into science technology all the stem topics right engineering math um, in our culture, guys tend to uh, like blue more than pink. They wear jeans, they don't wear a dress. They like to rough play. They don't like to uh, talk so much. Those are all cultural, societal aspects of gender roles. Like, for example, female are tend to be more nurturing, more compassionate. Uh, they are less aggressive than men. Uh, they're generally understood to be uh, a kinder, more gentler. They like uh, pink and red and that type of colors. Now, those are just societal, cultural aspect of gender roles. They're not absolutes because we also know that guys sometimes, some guys like, uh, are not as aggressive. They're more soft-spoken. Does that mean that they're not guys? No. Uh, So gender roles are not necessarily uh, created by God in that sense. Uh, generals are a lot of times are adaptive to culture, to society, because we also know that as, at one point, um, pink is, is some culture. Pink is actually the preferred color they expect for, for male rather than female. So generals are by and large generalities based on culture. They're not absolutes like our, like our physical um, um, elements of our body. That there are certain things that makes us male, certain things make us female, but here's the thing that makes it different. Not only gender roles again is a cultural thing, but what our society has promoting for us is that gender. There's also a, a term called gender identity. Gender identity, our world, our culture, our society tells us is no longer just a cultural generalities. It is a psychological choice that you get to make. That you can potentially choose. To be a boy or girl or sometimes boy, sometimes girl. The gender identity is up to what you feel like it should be. That gender is different from sex. That sex is your physical uh, attribute and how you're, how you are given in a biological way, but gender is completely up to your choice. Recently, Um, You guys are familiar with this toy probably growing up, Mr. Potato Head. Uh, The company Hasbro actually dropped Mr. Potato Head to just Potato Head because they want to accommodate the freedom, the alleged freedom that people get to choose their identity, their gender identity. So here's actually, I want to quote for you what they said in the official statement. It says, it's by offering a toy that exists outside of just male and female, Hasbro is helping kids to simply see toys as toys, which encourages them to be authentic selves outside the pressures of gen- traditional gender norms. On the surface, this statement seems very neutral, that we're giving people choices. But the central question about our sexuality, of our gender, is this question. If someone who is born, made by God to be a male, but they, feel, they don't feel like a male, who gets the final say and why? If you are created biologically born to be a girl, but you don't feel like a girl, who gets the final say, whether you're a boy or a girl? Now, the culture says you get to decide. Our world says you get to decide, but biology and, and our 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 uh, biology our science says actually no, like you are born to that sex and gender, and you don 't have a choice to that and what the question is what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about our our sex and gender again, I want to point back to us to Genesis chapter one verse twenty six to twenty seven God said. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds of heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Now, here's the, here's three simple points I want you to focus on verse 27. First one is this God created man man did not create man fundamentally god is the one who created us we were created by someone we are created by god yes we were given birth given life by our parents but fundamentally god going back further and further who created your parents who created your, their parents parents when we go back further enough we know that god is the one who created us and god created us in a specific way, a specific design. It says, says, God created man in his own image. What that means is that he created us to have a relationship with God. He created us to to connect with him, to experience his love. And then he immediately said, God created us. God created a to, uh, in the image of God. And uh, in our design by God, in our creation of God, it ties in biologically to our sexuality, to our gender that we're male and female, he created them. I don't think it is an accident God make it clear for us that, it, that our sexuality, our gender is hardwired to the biology that God has created us, whether male or female. Sexuality isn't just something that you do or how you feel. It's not a color that you choose. It's not just uh, how you feel towards someone sexuality fundamentally is who you are, how God has created you. It is hardwired to the way God has created you. It is not what you do is who you are. I want to illustrate this to you. Hopefully it helps you. It's not the perfect illustration, uh, but whenever I go overseas, particularly when I go to China or uh, for for a mission trip in the past, um, students and the people that I work with Uh, in the in the city uh, always get this confused face because when I show up they will look at me and I look very Chinese that is until I open up my mouth and start talking they don't hear anything Chinese out of my mouth and all they hear is this perfect English out of my mouth speaking like an American and when they look at me I look Chinese but I don't sound Chinese and they're always very confused. They're like, "Are you Chinese or are you Americans?" And I always tell them, "I'm born Chinese, ethnicity wise. I'm uh, I'm born with the ethnicity of the dis- Chinese descent. That's what I was born with biologically. That's who I am, made by God to be Chinese or Chinese descent. That's not something I get to choose. But I just happen to grow up in America. That I can speak English. That I learned to speak English, but I also speak some Chinese." Again, this is not a perfect example. What happened is uh, fundamentally at the core of who I am, I am Chinese, not because I speak Chinese or not, not because I I hang out with Chinese or not, not because I feel um, close with Chinese people or not. It it has none of that. I was born Chinese. (laughs) When I was given life through my parents, I was born Chinese but in a much greater way our sexuality in the same way God ties in our sexuality not based on what I do, who I hang out with, how I feel, but is but God said you are created created as male or female no so surprised then right after God announced that, that that truth, he tells us that our biological, our, our sexuality and our gender are tied into very physical thing called reproduction. Look at verse 20, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. God had called us to reproduce, to procreate. And that's one of the reasons, not the only reason, that's one of the reasons why God created male and female. Because we know in a physical way, in a physical world, biologically speaking, certainly only a male and a female can procreate as human being. And so again, our biology tells us that we're made, we're given birth as male or female. And part of it is confirmed through the way we reproduce through procreation. But that's not all what God says about male and female. God also tells us that it is actually sinful for us to to be born a male, to present ourselves as female. I want to go through just quickly a few verses for you. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. A woman must not put on men's clothing and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of God. You might be thinking, well, that's the Old Testament. What if the style back then is different? What if today's style is men's clothing is actually female's clothing back then? We cannot cross that. We cannot say that it's not true. I think what is really important for you to see here is not what if the clothing back in the 1800s, back in when Jesus' time, before Jesus' time, is it of style today? Is it men's clothing or women's clothing? Why is this such a serious, uh, accurate, uh, what a serious condemnation that god has given to is not just the clothing itself but really is the in in, the the motive the internal motive of why a person does see the per the 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 sin that's detestable is not just a woman wearing men's clothing but as a woman wanting to be acting like a man a man acting wanting to act like a woman so, under general, we're, we're, we're not saying that the style of clothes is determined, but it's a woman wanting to live like a man. That is detestable to God because it violates the very creation or God's perfect design of who we are. See, brokenness enters in the world through sin and makes us, and sin causes us to want to become someone we're not. Like We're not God, how God made it, but not only just this way, but in First Corinthians, in the New Testament, I want you to notice the sexual sin says identified here by Paul. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, and nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to pay attention here because one simple thing I want you to look at here is this. That God did not just elevate homosexuality to be the most sinful, most uh, the, the most of uh, um, vile sin of sexual sins there is. No, God put all sexual sins to be sin. If you are married and you're sexual immoral, that's a sin. That's a serious sin. If you are married, man cheated on your wife. That is a serious sin. Homosexual is a serious sin. And in fact, it can can align with your greediness, being drunk. You're speaking badly against people. Those are all sins. And one of the reasons why you see those, uh, uh, the sexual sins are related, are just as, as sinful as others is because they violate fundamentally all these sins violate the creation order of God. When you look at a woman lustfully, you're violating the way that God had created the world to be. And if you're a a guy who loves another guy, you are violating the way that God intended and designed things to be. That's why sexual sins, including homosexual, including all the LGBTQ plus orientation are sinful against God. Because God never designed us to be that way. Which went on, Paul tells us in Romans 1.26, Romans one twenty six, that is contrary to our nature, contrary not to the world, nature, contrary to how God made us. Look at what God, uh, what Paul says: For the woman exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion with one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of the errors. When they said natural, it's not talking about the natural in a way that what we are comfortable with. It's talking about the natural design that God had created us. And when we sin, when we we sin against God in that way, we are violating, again, God's design Of his creation order. And so our sexuality. Is not a continuum. That we get to choose. It is not plastic. It is not however we feel. God has a plan. God has a design. He created us male and female. Our sexuality is not different. From our gender. And this is where brothers and sisters. This is the, 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 the tension. Of our world today. Because the world tells us, you get to choose to be whatever that you want. But God says, God doesn't want us to choose to be whatever that we want. Because we've seen this episode play over and over again. Homosexuality, LGBTQ play are not new things in this world in our time. We saw in the New Testament, we saw in the Old Testament. Those are things that people struggle with. And so that's been going on forever because sin had entered into the world. Remember when we look at Genesis chapter 3? We saw what happens when sin enters into the world. It corrupts everything. And remember Adam and Eve. What did they do that sinned against God? Was it because they were trying to be healthy eat their fruit? No. The bottom line of sin is when we Think we know better than God. Every sin has this root to that. we think we know better than God. We make decisions that we think we know better than God we make we make choices because we think we know better than God, and doesn't it sound familiar to us that not only do we maybe do our speech but even in our sexuality, the enemy has corrupted us and, and tempt us and say, You know better than God who you are' Sure, believe that God created, sure, believe that you're a biological male and female, but you still get to choose because you know better than your creator. That was the same line today as it was back in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan tempts Eve, Adam, and Eve. God didn't really say that. You see, who decide who who decides what our gender is, who decides what our sexuality is, is not us. Is God. See, sexuality is not a favorite color. Sexuality is not a preference. Sexuality is that beautiful creation and design by God for us. And He intended to be a beautiful thing that when we're made as male, when we're made as female, we as together as a display of who God is. So no longer are we thinking of sexuality. Does God say we're a continuum? We are either male or female. I want to end our sermon today by sharing a story with you. Hopefully it will be encouragement for those who are wrestling with your, struggling with this confusion with your sexuality, but also for those who are friends, family members, who are coming alongside with those who may be struggling with this. Because I realize when we say that, oh, God designed, it seems so rigid. It seems like we're not giving people choices. But isn't a loving thing for people to choose to be whatever that they want. And So I want to share this story with you. This story comes from the book that i recommended you by called "Embody" by Preston Sprinkles. In in this book, he talked about a, a, a girl named Leslie. Leslie was born female. But by the age of four, um, she find herself not f- very f- very much feeling like a girl. She kind of think her of herself as a boy. She think like a boy, play like a boy. When she when her parents trying to help her have her have her play with other girls, she just didn't connect with the girls. She didn't care for makeup. She didn't care for wearing a dress. She didn't care for um, talking about boys and more and more she 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 starts thinking of herself more like a boy she thinks that she will marry wonder woman as, as her wife so that they will have superpowered children and so for her, most of her childhood she thinks of herself as a boy and she also remember that uh, that she grew up in the church and as much as she remembers she she fought, she loves she wants to be with you. she wants jesus in her life she loved Jesus with her whole heart and her earliest memory was, with, with, was at church in Sunday school learning about the truth of God. She can't remember a time that God's truth is not important for her, but then she had this struggle in her that she knows she's made a woman. She's made as a uh, by God as a female, but she doesn't feel like she is a female. More so, she identified herself as a guy. So as she continued to age, she finds it hard to fit in. She hard to fit in at church, hard to fit in with her friends. She couldn't relate to anybody. And like most people who struggle with gender identity, they feel really alone. She felt alone. And here's the problem. When we are wrestling with these things, when we're isolated, when we meet, when isolation meets depression, suicidal thoughts come up. She felt like no one understand her. She wanted to do the right thing to believe in God and trust that God had made her female, but, but her feeling tells her otherwise. So she finally got up enough courage and go talk to a pastor. She wanted to talk to her pastor, and her pastor, after she shared with her struggle, the pastor walked her, escorted her to the back door of the church, and told her never to come back again. And as you can imagine, she never did. She never came back to the church again. And so she eventually chose to continue to live as a boy, live as a man. Eventually, she got married to a, to a, 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 a woman named Sue. She thought "Who she would have her, the, the perfect life. But Sue had this medical condition that she shakes her hand without, uh, uncontrollably. And one day, after they got married, they have their kid. They, have a, they adopted a kid. Sue was smoking outside of her of their house, but her hand was shaking so badly when she went to light her cigarette. Instead of lighting cigarettes, she lit herself up. And in her own kitchen, Leslie heard this scream and ran out and saw her own wife engulfed in the fire. She called 911, took Sue to the hospital. Three days later, she passed away. And here leslie, depressed, sad, broken, she went to the one place where she knew growing up to find help, and she went to the church and the local community that she's a part of. She went to the church, she asked the church, "Would you do the funeral for my wife? Would you do the funeral for my wife?" And the pastor looked at her, knowing that Leslie. Biologically, looks like a woman. He knew instantly that she was struggling with her gender identity. She's obviously married with a woman. But without declaring anything, she said, yes, we would do it. Our church would love to do the funeral for you. Our church would love to do for anything we can help to serve you in this difficult time. Our churches around you, and just to re- let you know that church is not some liberal church that i that 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 cheer for lgbtq uh support lgbtq ide- uh, orientation no that church is a conservative church in a community, and yet that pastor and the church surround themselves around Leslie. They helped her through her the most broken, darkest time in her life. Leslie realized. That the church of Jesus Christ loved her for the first time. with a better love that she could find in the LGBTQ community. Because all her life, she never saw God as love. All her life, she never saw the church as love. But this church step up and surround themselves around her and her broken and her daughter during this time. Because of that Leslie was open once again to God's truth. Leslie was open to, be a, to, to continue to, to wrestle with the struggles that she has and, 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 and being confused, struggle to put her own choices down to submit to God. The beautiful story, uh, of the, of the beautiful ending of this story is not that. Leslie no longer struggled with it. She continued to struggle to find herself to be made by God to be a woman. She still struggles to to feel like she's not a woman. But at the same time, because of the love of the church, the church continues to walk with her, to help her to open up the scriptures, see she continues to put herself underneath God's truth. In a very much the same way that I was reminded that we will all struggle with our sins. We're all broken. Even we're saved by God, the gospel of rescue We continue. You might have anger issues. You might struggle with pornography. You might struggle with any type of sin. Even you're saved by God. But daily, we die to ourselves and follow you and say, Jesus, you're a king. I know this is my struggle. I'm willing to die to myself and follow you. Leslie continues to do that. And I believe all of us will continue to do that until we see Jesus. So is it possible for us to continue to follow Jesus with our struggle? Yes. And that includes those who struggle with their sexuality. That's the beauty of the gospel. Leslie struggles, but she continues to yield. And she has brothers and sisters of the church of Jesus Christ to come alongside with her to serve her, to love on her, to support her in the struggle. Very much like whatever struggle that you have in your sin. Hopefully that we as a church should come alongside one another. I share this story to end because we need to hold tight to the truth of God, but we also need to be a loving community. I wish there's a formula for us to know how to do that. But that's where the wisdom of God, we need God's wisdom for us. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this is a increasingly difficult topic to bring up into our world. As we continue to celebrate our personal freedom, our personal choices, so often we're deceived by the enemy that being able to choose what we want to do, who we are ourselves is a better choice. And God, would you remind us once again the beautiful design that you have for us. God, I particularly want to pray for those who might be struggling with their sexual identity. Those who might be struggling to, to feel a certain way, even though they know in truth that God, you made them to be a male or female. God, I pray that you breathe truth. You breathe grace. I pray for our church to be what people who come alongside with them to walk with them through their struggles. Lord, help us to share truth out of loving kindness. Help us to be bold and faithful to your truth, but help us to be loving. Help us to be serving. God, we don't know how to do this many times. There's no clear way for us to know how to do it. There's no formula. So Lord, I pray if there's any one of us, God, for anyone that our friends, family, who are wrestling with these things, God, give us wisdom. So that we can represent you well. In both truth and love. God will you continue to speak to us. About these things. As we continue to, to live in a world. Continue to live in a world. That push back against your truth. God give us. Inc- give us perseverance. Give us boldness. To stand up for your truth. But not to you in a fighting manner. But in a way that we can see restoration. In people's lives. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to take a moment to respond to God in uh, our last song, Blessed Assurance. As we sing this song, I want to ask you to give thanks to God as you think about what God has promised to you through his work, through your salvation in your life. I think as we wrestle with brokenness, as we shared earlier, what is sexual identity? What are just our various myriad of sins? We can always go back to Jesus. He said he will forgive us. And grace continue to hold us. So let's, let's continue to worship him.